Hello, Hindsight listeners. Before we get to the episode, we want to take a moment to address a June 24, 2022 Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. This decision stripped away the right to have a safe and legal abortion. Everyone should have the freedom to decide what's best for themselves and their families, including when it comes to ending a pregnancy. This decision has dire consequences for individual health and safety, and could have harsh consequences for other landmark decisions. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans. Learn more by visiting podvoices.help. If you're able to support others, please consider donating to abortion funds. We encourage you to speak up, take care, and spread the word. Ahoy, motherfuckers. Welcome to Hindsight. I'm Brandon. Um, Brandon will be our shit. I said I'm Brandon. That's such a bad habit. I'm just surrounded by too many Brandons in this episode. Uh, My co-host, Brandon, (laughs) will be joining us in a few moments. I am also joined by C. Brandon from the Say Something Nice uh, podcast. And and I'm Derek. See, there goes the other Brandon right there. Um, We... Chose this movie. It's been on the list for a long time. And um, I am really grateful to have the opportunity not only to talk about it with uh, Brandon Carr, my co-host, but also with C. Because I know this is one of your favorite movie franchises, like, ever. And I wanted to ask you out the gate, why is this one of your favorite movie franchises? Um, Mostly because, well... You know, slight ancillary products aside, it's kind of nice and self-contained. You mm-hmm. know, one, two, three. Um, it's primarily comedy-based, which I like. You know, there's not a whole lot of super, like, really... I mean, it's based in science fiction, but it's like almost like a fantasy, almost cartoony sort of science fiction. I like the performances. I like... You know, like the whole concept of time travel. I like um, the first movie in particular, I think is a really fun concept. And the concept, the original concept had nothing to do with science fiction. They just arrived on that to make the concept work. Mm. Just in general, it's kind of movie where I feel like it kind of like, it can hit a number of different bases and scratch a number of different itches for like a lot of different people. Okay. And I don't know if you said yet what the franchise is. I have not. (laughs) (laughs) Brandon, why did you choose this as the, uh, as a trilogy for us to discuss? Why did I choose back to the future? Yes. I knew he was going to do it. See, I lob it and he slams it down. He used to play basketball. Mm -hmm. Yes. I chose back to the future because I ain't never seen it. I'm a movie guy who reviewed movies. Who was like 
and never saw Back to the Future. So I figured. How did you go so long without seeing Back to the Future? How'd that happen? I worked at Universal Studios and I did, and I rode the ride. That was, I think that's the closest I've done to seeing the movie. But I ain't never seen the movie. And so I watched the movie and I had four quick takeaways. One, I enjoyed the movie. Yeah. Two, you didn't tell me there was incest in this movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Three, you can no longer talk about Cuba Gooding Jr. as the oldest looking high school people. Nope, you're right. <laughs> you're right. But, but, but in my defense, in the 80s, every high schooler looked old. Yeah, they Not always like cast. They always cast adult looking adults to play high school kids like yeah. Reese. You know, Stalker Channing plays Rizzo in Greece. She was 33 and she looked 33. Mm-hmm. You know, John Travolta was like 25 or so. And he looked 27. I mean, you know? Michael J. <laughs> Fox was older than both his mother and his father in this movie. No, no. The, the mother, like so I looked it up. Him and the mother were born a week apart. She's a week older than him. Okay. But he's older than Crispin. He is absolutely older than Crispin Glover. He's yeah. three years older than Crispin Glover. <laughs> <laughs> so also, we got the fourth one was the Tom Hanks. I mean, sorry, the Forrest Gump is strong in Marty McFly. What do you mean? You know, Forrest Gump basically the whole movie was about him being the reason of everything pop culture that we know about happened. Yeah, he's talking about the um, the Johnny Be Good thing. So uh, Marty McFly made Johnny Be Good. You know, you know the way I looked at it because I've seen this series multiple times. It, it's one of those uh, series that I didn't even need to watch it again to be able to talk about on this show, but I wanted to watch it because it's that dude, you know. And um, when it used to come on. TBS. It used to come on TBS like midday. And then you'd come yeah. in on the evening. It'll just come on midday. And you'd be like, ooh, back to the future and sit there and watch it. Because it's literally one of the cleanest movies. And and it's just so universally known. I didn't realize until I watched it yesterday and then watched it again today that this was all destined to happen. Like I as I watched this movie, I realized three things, like you were saying, Brandon. One is that Marty is the reason why Doc did time travel, which immediately caused the paradox. Well, no, it doesn't. He's not the reason why Doc did time travel because when Marty goes back and changes the past, he already he changes drawn the, the flux future. capacity or the yeah. flux capacitor. But Marty was like, it works. So yeah, yeah, yeah. He does change. Like he does not. He's not the reason Doc advanced time travel. He's the reason probably why Doc maybe why two and three, I guess, are possible because he understands time travel better and he knows it's going to work. Okay, well, this that, one, yeah. the second one is a E.E. paradox. Yeah. Um, Marty's the reason why Goldie became mayor. Yes. <laughs> like, in a very big way, Marty literally told Mayor Goldie Wilson, you're going to be mayor. He's like, yeah, I can be mayor. So... Pro yes, Marty. I, I love the fact that he was like um, a colored mayor. Like, okay, that's that's the most racist. You just wait, Mister Carruthers. I'm going to clean up this town. Good. You can start by cleaning the floor. Exactly. <laughs> um, so those were the first two things that I picked up on, and the third one was at the end of the movie. 
it was bizarre. Like I, it, it struck me, and and I'm I'm talking in generalities. We we might go through this movie, but I think that enough people. I think Back to the Future is kind of a prism of cinema going where we could just discuss this movie without having to go into step by step what happened in the movie. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, so one of the things that that struck me when I watched it this time and always struck me was the fact that this Marty that came back from from 1955 came to the future none of this the 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 camping trip shouldn't still be happening the very next day jennifer should not still be in his life they should not still be in the same house he should not know anything that's happening with these people the everything's changed in the household as far as his father and his mom's interactions his father and his mother's uh health and everything his sister and his brother's jobs and his sister like at the beginning of the movie, his sister's like, I can't get a boyfriend at the end. She's got two boyfriends because she's a player. Mm-hmm. Um, everything's changed, including the fact that he has a truck, except for the fact that him and Jennifer are still going to their camping trip or supposed to be going to their camping trip. Marty shouldn't know anything that's happened. His past should be completely different. And also, at the point where um, Lorraine and uh, George is son at the age of eight sets fire to the carpet they should realize what was going on yeah they should. but i don't think that but people don't believe in time travel they'll just think it's a coincidence they don't realize that it actually exists that's a big coincidence that at the age of eight your youngest son sets fire to the living room carpet but like <laughs> but i mean a lot of this is like this is the I mean this movie is essentially a comedy. It's like, you know, like a lot of it is jokey jokey. The whole idea that he comes back and his life is, you know, three times better than it was before, although the main pillars of it are still in place. That's I mean, a lot of that's supposed to be a joke. You know, it's supposed to be like funny, like it's like an it's a goofy happy ending. Of course he still has his girlfriend. Of course he has the truck that he saw um being delivered to the dealership that he wants. You know, of course, his parents are nicer and everything. You know, it's supposed to be a little bit satirical, especially just the sense that, you know, his parents are now like nice, well-to-do yuppies, but they still live in like what is not really necessarily a, you know, so what is otherwise a lower middle-class neighborhood. It's the same house and everything, but, you know, they fixed it up on the inside. Yeah, Marty's the nexus being. So he comes back to his life. <laughs> He's the same in every timeline. And I was, I was with minor changes. And I was thinking that it was because this was the first, and this is my my selfishness, my my myopic view. Since this is the first time travel movie I had saw, I was like, okay, they're setting the rules for what time what time travel is for everybody else, you know. And so they're able to skew a few things. I'm sure there were other time travel movies. The Philadelphia Experiment was that a time travel movie, or was I tripping? Um, I mean, to some degree, I mean, it's this. It's not the first time. I mean, it's the first one you saw, yeah. Like um, this, but it's even this one like owes a lot of its concepts and things to the time machine, the H.G. Wells book, and the movies that they made off of it. I read the comic. Oh yeah, and that too. <laughs> <laughs> My grandma was a teacher, and she would pass out the comic book version of that to everybody in like 1991. So I read the little comic that was the size of those track books that they would give you at Halloween to learn about Jesus Christ and how to fight the devil. Yes. The chick tracks. Yeah. Um, 
so the movie starts off with uh, Marty going over to Doc's house and completely breaking one of his experiments. Like the amplifier will never work again. That that's just blown all to pieces. Luckily, when he comes back from the past, we never find out if the amplifier is still a thing. But yeah, it gets blown out the frame. Um, he gets a call from Doc as the alarms go off in his house. And again, I'm talking completely from memory on this. But he gets a call from Doc as he's in Doc's house uh, saying, hey, did the alarms all go off at the same time? And Marty's like, yeah. And he's like, good. I finally got the time set. Come meet me at the Hill Valley Mall at 1.15. Or was it? A.M. 1.15 a.m. Um, because, and, and, and I got something to show you. Uh, bring, a, bring the video camera. It's and important like, to note that Doc's experiment with the clocks was that they're all exactly 25 minutes slow. So Marty ends up being late for school. And this is his fourth tardy, which means he's not new to being late to school. Also, right. when he pulls up in front of the school, there's a piece of graffiti on the right side of the school mm-hmm. that says Lorraine Dell Calvin. What does that mean? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she must have written that mm-hmm. <laughs> herself back then in the state. <laughs> so that's a good Easter egg. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they, Brandon, they, and they implied that to mean that she loved Calvin. Um, I always thought Dell was house. So it would have been Lorraine Houses Calvin. But anyway, it goes. Um, yeah. It, it's in 1985, there's, you know, graffiti on the wall about Lorraine and Calvin before he even goes back to the past. Um, they get inside the building and Strickland is a bald white man who uh, really hates Marty. He hates the whole family. Right. Like the whole family. Like, And he hates like, Doc Brown, too. Right. But does he hate Doc because Marty likes Doc? Because he was like, you know what, Marty? Not only is this your fourth tardy, but I saw your band was signed up for the talent show, and y'all ain't shit. No, no McFly has ever amounted to anything in the history of Hill Valley. Y'all ain't shit. <laughs> Trust me. I hope you die. <laughs> You're a slacker. Look me dead in my eye, and <laughs> and uh, Marty looks him dead in his eye. He's like, is that all? Can I go? Mm-hmm. And they just walk off. Jennifer's like, hey, don't go in this way. Go in through this side door because Strickland's looking for you this way and leads him straight to Strickland. Thanks, baby. Thanks, sweetheart. You're you're the real MVP. Um, Marty signs up for the talent show anyway because I'm going to do what I want to do. And he gets there. And his band is all playing great. Like Everybody in the background is playing a great version of The Power of Love until Marty goes full Eddie Van Halen and starts riffing out and the white folks are like that's enough yeah what is Huey Lewis newness? himself says that he's too loud right what, what, <laughs> what are you doing to my beat what's this newness? <laughs> you can exit stage left so they leave out of there marty and uh jennifer are out in front you know of the what clock. this reminded me of marty and um jennifer the, no marty and professor and Doc, what is it, Dr. Rick and Morty? No, not Rick and Morty. Oh, okay. A little bit. I mean, Rick and Morty, Morty is obviously, yeah, I mean, it but, it was a parody of Back to the Future. It was literally Back yeah. to the Future before they bought it and changed the names. Yeah. 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 Obviously, it was Rick and Morty. But what I was talking about is it reminded me of um, Peter Parker and Doc Ock in the Sony Spider Man game. 
Uh, he would always leave class to go hang out with Doc Ock and mess around his labs and make all types of crazy stuff. So I was like, that's kind of cool. Actually, yeah. Now that I think about it, because I love that Sony game. Like, I might play that again at some point. I still haven't played the Miles Morales one. But that first one, yeah, their relationship was very much akin to uh, Doc Brown and, and Marty. Because nobody ever asked, yo, 17-year-old dude, what you doing hanging out with this uh, crazy old experimenter on the outskirts of town? Like, except for Strictly. He's the only one. Everybody else is like, oh, okay, have fun. But they're sitting down and... um. They're sitting on a bench and Marty is telling Jennifer about how he didn't tell his mom that she's going on the camping trip with him because his mom was such a pure and good person that she'd fucking hate Je- Jennifer's guts. Right. Um, more or less. And a, a woman comes over to him who's asking for money to save the. Uh, save clock the tower. clock tower. The clock tower, which had I thought it had National or Honor Society on the the. The building, I thought the building had a name in 85, but she was like, yeah, this uh, clock tower got struck by lightning on uh, in November of 1955. And here's the paperwork that tells you exactly when it happened. And November 5th, 1955, 11.04 p.m. It was November 5th? Because because Doc sent him back in time. Doc had put that into the computer as an important date in history. And he was like, that was oh, the date no, uh, that he first conceptualized if, time travel. It, 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 might, it might be, it's later. It's, it's two weeks later. Because like, not remember the 5th is the day he goes back. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. No he worries. Goes, yeah. So he, she hands him a paper. Jennifer leaves. Jennifer's like, let me give you my number. My dad's here to pick me up. They kiss in front of her dad, which in 85 is gutsy. <laughs> <laughs> um... Dad was looking at Marty like, you're a piece of shit already. What you doing putting lips to my daughter? Uh, Marty goes home. Everybody in this house looks like they're either drunk or thinking about it. Dave works. Yes, the- especially the mom. The mom is like a, a complete alcoholic. Oh, the mom is drinking depressed. full, full glasses. Like not shot glasses, not cups. Then ones that your grandma used to put the red Kool-Aid into with the stripes around the middle. Mom is drinking that glass full of vodka and ice. Mom ain't happy. Right. Dad is sitting there just staring at the honeymooners laughing at. Oh, man, his laugh was annoying. I'd be unhappy, too. But she's like, I fell in love with your father because he was bird watching and he fell out of the tree and my dad hit him with the car. And that's how we fell in love. I don't like Jennifer. She calls you. <laughs> yeah. I, I never called a boy. I never called a boy. That's I never chased a boy. Right. There's a she, lot of that. Yeah. There, there's a lot of virtue signaling in this movie that gets torn apart. And uh, Leah Thompson actually said that she liked this movie because she got a chance to not only play a mother, but also a whore. And I was like, that's a lot. <laughs> Who's the whore? Leah Thompson. She was like, when she was a teenager, she was a whore. And I was like, wait, that's a lot. Also, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it that. She's definitely a little, a little, maybe a little what, you know, the old folks used to call fast. Yeah. But, you She's know. a little frisky. Yeah, but she ain't a whore. She's she's a teenager. Right. Like, slut shaming yourself. Like, why? Um, but um I Marty, mean, she did, I mean, she did 
meet a guy that she's never met her entire life that her dad almost hit with a car and immediately that night wanted him to sleep in his her room with her. I mean, but every And told single, her parents that. But yo, every single time she spoke about Marty, she didn't even call him Marty. She called him an absolute dream. Every single time. I noticed that. Isn't he a dream? Oh, he's an absolute dream. Oh, he's a dream. Oh, he's a dream. So yeah, she try and fuck him. I try and fuck a dream. <laughs> that was pretty fast. If my hey, dream is in hey, my room with his with his pants off, I'ma try I'm gonna try the Big Bang Theory that night. In night in nineteen fifty-five. Hey dad, you know that guy you just hit with the car? Can you sleep in my room with me? Fuck you. Tonight? He gotta get out. Are you a communist? Those would be <laughs> that would be the conversation. You're right, but she was like, he's a dream. And um Marty goes to see Doc uh at, at the Hill Valley Mall. Doc has created a time machine that he controls with a remote control. Right. Out of a DeLorean. Out of a DeLorean. Yes. Which the funny thing is DeLorean, of course, that car is now almost entirely known for being associated with this movie. But it had been this luxury car that didn't work very well. and had sort of kind of fallen out of production Mm -hmm. by the time they made the movie. What what was it? Uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine, I think, made an episode where one of the lead characters bought a DeLorean, and it was it completely just fell apart, like almost immediately. Um, yeah, the DeLorean was a piece of trash, and since this movie came out, it really it rose in stature because it had started to drop off. Because again, it was a hunk of junk. It was the same level as at that time. I know a lot of y'all young folks think Hyundai is a really good car, but let me tell you something <laughs> about the 80s. <laughs> Hyundai is literally the 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 very meaning of started from the bottom, now I'm here. Because yes. their cars will fall apart on the freeway. Same with the Fiat. So, uh, yeah, this car was in that same range. And they actually sent... A, Steven Spielberg, a thank you note for putting their car into this movie and making it, making the DeLorean popular again, making the DeLorean great again. Daga. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, this car was twenty five thousand dollars in nineteen eighty two, eighty one. Sorry, a lot of money. That's so, a lot of money. <laughs> it was a luxury car that wasn't luxury ready. Right. It, it was bad. So he's controlling that with a uh, with a remote control that you know literally is a remote control for a truck. Yeah, uh, he's got his dog Einstein in the car, and he sends Einstein into the future. He tells Marty, "When this thing hits eighty eight, you're going to see some serious shit." <laughs> Great line, which I love. Um, if I'm Marty, I wouldn't have trusted Doc, especially when he turns the remote control. He makes the remote control turn the car directly towards them, and the car speeding yes. at them directly at them. I didn't notice that until this last this last watch. Speeding directly at them, um, and Marty tries to get away, and Doc pulls him back. <laughs> yep, like trust me. <laughs> but when the car goes nuclear, when the car goes to eighty eight. It leaves flame lines on the in the um on the road that literally goes right between their legs. Like Doc, we could have died, and or I could be on fire because Marty's leg was in the fake fire. Right at one point, um, Doc is celebrating. Marty's like, "How the hell you do that?" 
uh, Doc tells him this thing's run on plutonium. Marty's like, where do you get plutonium from, Doc? Where that happened? Where they do that at? And Doc was like, well, I, I lied to some uh, Liberians. What the fuck is he into? That he's running, that Liberians are coming to him to build a bomb. Well, he, well he, he's got his 24-hour scientist service thing. I guess they hit him up and asked him to make a bomb. The Liberians were the ones who stole the plutonium themselves. <sighs> Man, and this gave is awesome. it to him. This is like the killing joke where the Joker just showed up with plutonium. It was just like an Addis Ababa, like, yo, what's happening? What y'all want to do? But he pulled up to the librarians like, knock a pick a pia, knock a pick a pia, pans away. And they were like, yeah, we'll do that. So Doc was like, I told him I built him a bomb. I'm building him shit. And then the librarians pull up in a fucking old school V-Dub bug van. Mm-hmm. And pull the first. My grandpa had one. We used to play uh, hide and go seek in that van until one of us accidentally kicked the emergency brake and it rolled backwards into the street. Oh, no. in them. Yeah, I don't know what it had in it, but we had whoopings. <laughs> Carl went across the street and, and went into a ditch across the, back, the house. The back bits can fold out into a bed. They're kind of cool. I'm shocked they don't make them anymore. VW, VW bus. VW seems like they will bring that back out because all their stuff is now like either the bug or it's just ugly. Um... Librarians show up, shoot Doc. They're about to shoot Marty. Marty screams no, hops into the car, pulls off. I guess he forgets that when it goes to 88, he's gonna see some serious shit. Um Yeah, yeah, he did he wasn't paying a full attention to Doc. Also, we are as the audience, because it's Christopher Lloyd and he's amazing, but like <laughs> yeah. he, he, he wasn't paying attention. Also. Uh, librarians start off with a machine gun, shoot Doc with the machine gun, try and shoot Marty with the machine gun. Machine gun jams. They yell at the machine gun in, in Arabic, I yeah. guess. And um, then they start shooting at Marty again as he runs off to the car, hops in the car and speeds off. They shoot at him from a distance with this machine gun over and over and over again until he finally starts to get to about 75 miles per hour in the car, at which point they pull out a fucking rocket launcher. Dude, <laughs> you had a rocket launcher? <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't you tell us you had a rocket launcher? Bob, did you know he had a rocket launcher? No. You've been shooting at us with this this whole time. At the very end, you pull out the rocket launcher, start with the rocket launcher, clean up with the machine gun. That's how these rules work. If I'm playing Halo, I don't pull up on you with the pistol. I pull up on you with the rocket launcher, and then I clean up. I can see that. That's why y'all kill death ratio is so fucking low. So, anyways, Marty goes into the past, runs into a um, he's about to run into the Kodak shack at the mall, but he goes back into the past the exact time and ends up going running into a scarecrow, which is in the middle of a field for a guy. Uh the guy thinks that Marty is an alien who's turned into a human, so he pulls out his blammer. Start shooting. Marty jumps into the car, speeds off. Hits a pine. Hits a pine. It's one of the guys, because the guy, he runs a farm, including, like, he grows pines. And he has these two pines, because it's the two-pine farm. And Marty destroys one of the two pines. So now it's Lone Pine Mall when he comes back. Yes. (laughs) So it's two-pine mall before he left. Yeah. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yep. Mm -hmm. I love it. (laughs) 
I love it. So Marty uh, speeds off down the road. He asks a one. Uh, um, he asks. Well, his car stops. So he asks a lady and a and a guy in the car. Hey, what day is it? And she's like, "Don't talk to strangers, Bob." And they speed off. Right. Um. So Marty pushed his car behind the sign for Lion Estates, which is where his house is in the eighties. Yeah, because like they have, they are just going to break ground building the subdivision in a couple of months. Like it's so his house doesn't even exist yet. But didn't hide the car very well. Like literally, just pushed it behind a sign where you could see bulldozers and stuff further down that the dirt road where the houses are going to be developed at. Which leads to the question: Why didn't somebody come to work in that next no. week? See, you're wrong. He put some branches on the car. Yeah, and bushes. That fixed it. That fixed I love, it. I love, I love these movies. <laughs> you ever played Metal Gear Solid? All yeah. you gotta do is just like get in a box on you, or get in a box, and they won't even know you're there. Uh, people are so inherently stupid. Um, so Marty goes to walks to Hill Valley. Um, goes to the cafe, the, 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 I don't know what they're called. As he's wandering through the town square, as you know, we hear Mr. Sandman on the soundtrack. uh, He, um, a guy throws his newspaper away and Mark picks it up and reads the headline, you know, the dateline saying it's November 5th, 1955. And he's like, no, this has to be a dream. Like, this is when he realizes what's happened. Also, I just want to stop there because as they look at that, the best, background music or the best background just tingle comes and it's it's literally just oh they did this is alan silvestri's this is i mean he's made so many great scores this is my favorite score that he's ever done for me this one and back to the future three those two movies i think are his well i said i'll say all three back to the future movies i think are his best scores and he's done roger rabbit forrest gump what lies beneath the Avengers, like, but still, I would say this one is <laughs> my favorite of his. You know, if I could, I might, I might try and separate that sound from the rest of, and make that into a text message alert for my wife. <laughs> like, I love that sound so much. He goes into the cafe, or I don't know what they used to call those restaurants. It's a malt shop. A malt shop. Thank you. Um, yeah. And as he's asking for a Pepsi free, which the guy's like, no, first he asked for a tab. And the guy behind the counter Kid, is like, I can't give you a tab unless you order something. Let me get a Pepsi free. And he was like, yeah, I'm not giving you nothing for free. So he was like, just give me something without sugar in it. So he gives him a black coffee. Yeah. <laughs> and Marty sits down and puts his head on his, on his face and we are his hand on his face. And we pan out to see his dad sitting right next to him in the same position. Yes. And as he is looking down, Biff comes in. Now, Biff is a bully of all time. Um, yes, yes. Biff, when he was in the 80s, was asking Marty's dad, why didn't he finish writing his reports for him at work? Right. And Marty's dad was like, I will get it done and I will get it to you. And Biff was like, well, I need Hello, to- McFly. I need time to I need time to rewrite it because if it's in your hand, I need time to retype it because if I turn it into your handwriting, I'll get fired, which no, you won't. Not at work. They don't, they don't care. They don't fucking care at work. What's wrong with you? But he's like, would you like for me to get fired from my job? And George like stops to think about it. And that's when he gets knocked on the head and hello, McFly. And he was like, um, 
George was like, no, I'll have it to you tomorrow. And he was like, nah, get it to me on uh, on Sunday. I, I sleep in so on Saturdays. So is Biff white Debo? Debo yes. is black Biff. <laughs> Biff was here first. Let's let's give credit where credit is due. Um, because he was just bullying people for no reason, just because he could. Right. That's the way it works, isn't it? Just because you can, you either have power. Next or you slide, didn't I tell you you can't eat at this restaurant anymore? <laughs> you Irish bug. I thought y'all yes. only told niggas that. Nah, well, the, niggas well, the, fam- the family's Irish, and back before I say the sixties and seventies, they kind of treated Irish people like they were black. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's uh, true. Yeah, yeah. So the thing that I noticed in the sequence inside of the malt shop is that it's the same exact sequence that they had at his house in nineteen eighty five. Yes, all the way down to do you want me to get kicked out of school? And George thinking about it, and right. Uh, Biff saying, give me my stuff on Sunday because I sleep in on Saturdays. Right. Um, I really enjoy the parallels that they have in these in these worlds that they have, but at the same time, I, I guess you wouldn't remember having a conversation like that 30 years later, but it's like no. you're going to stop doing this. Also, what's the odds that they end up working together in that small town, very strong. True. True. So George is like, what the fuck are you staring at, dog? And Goldie comes out and he's like, hey, you got to stop letting them punk you. And George's like, he's bigger than me. They're all bigger than me. They're not all bigger than you, George. Only Billy Zane is not bigger than you. Not even close. <laughs> <laughs> not even close. So Goldie's like, you got to stand up to them kids. You can be whatever you want. Look at me. I'm I'm a dishwasher right now, but pretty soon I could be anything I want. And Marty's like, he could be, he's, yeah, he's going to be mayor. And Goldie's like, yeah, run for mayor. And that's, this, this is the first time I literally, literally the first time I saw the gold tooth in his mouth. Uh. <laughs> so you a gold tooth black mayor in the 80s. That sounds about right. So, <laughs> um. Goldie's like, yeah, you watch. I'm, I'm gonna run this town. And Mr. Carruthers is like, yeah, you could, you could clean up this. You could start by cleaning up the floor. Right. As Marty's listening to that interaction, George gets up and beats feet to get to his bike and get the hell out of there. And Marty is uh, goes into, well, Marty initially when he gets in there, he pulls a, he looks in the phone boot, phone book. Remember those for um, Doc Brown's address. Right. Um, and he asked the uh, Mr. Carruthers where the place is located at. Uh, they have the conversation and then George takes off. So Marty goes after George. Sees his bike laying next to a tree. So he, you know, is looking around and then a leaf falls. So he looks up and he sees George with binoculars in the tree. Deep mm-hmm. in time. Yep. yep. Looking at Lorraine, getting I can't imagine if I seen my daddy doing some shit like that. <laughs> man, like, like I don't know. Every time that I would look at him from that point, I'd be like, man, he used to be a real fuckboy. Like, that's some fuckboy shit right there, Dad. Like, hey, somebody told me that you used to look at mom with binoculars from across the street. Is that true or false? Be real. Be real, and then I'd probably get punched in the stomach. At least in this movie yeah. in 1985, it made it seem like it was creepy. 
I feel like this same scene would have happened in Revenge of the Nerds. And they'd have been like, oh, look at look at her. Boys will be boys. Absolutely. <laughs> and the funny thing is that Bachelor of the Future, just really quick context, Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale wrote this script in like 1980, 1981, after they made a movie called Used Cars, which people liked but didn't do well. And they couldn't get it sold anywhere because people thought it was this was the era of, you know, of Animal House and Porky's and Revenge of the Nerds. They couldn't get it sold anywhere because it wasn't raunchy enough. They told him to take it to Disney. Disney's like, what the fuck? His mom is trying to trying to screw him. Get this out of here. <laughs> so they <laughs> it was only after um, Zemeckis made Romancing the Stone. And only after Steven Spielberg, who was his, you know, his best friend, agreed to produce it, that they got it sold to Universal. So, like, the fact that even though, you know, the fact that, you know, his mom spends the entire movie trying to, you know, like, you know, get him in bed, it's still like a lot. Like gentler than a lot of teen comedies were in this era. Yeah, at least there's no dick being stuck through a hole in a shower. Right. Uh, for women to see, like they actually showed the dick. I remember seeing the dick on like HBO, and I was like five when right. that movie came out, and it was like okay, and titties and full frontal nudity, and that was none of that in this movie. That was just right a, a teenage girl who had just met a boy and had fallen deeply in lust with him. Right. Um. <clears throat> so Marty goes up. Or Marty says, he's a peeping Tom. And <laughs> calls out to George. George gets startled, falls out the tree. He stands up. He's about to get hit by a car. Marty pushed his dad out the way of the car. The car literally gently taps Marty. Marty flies, lands gently on his back. His head taps the cement. He wakes up nine hours later. Mm-hmm. One life, one life gone. He he died. He died. So <laughs> his mom in the future has this husky cigarette voice, like, "Oh, Marty, don't worry." He's like, "Mom," and she's like, "Yeah," and he's like, "I had the worst dream." She was like, "Don't worry, Marty. You're safe. You're home. You're here at home, back in good old 1955." And she he wakes up and she's sitting there, young Lorraine, looking all beautiful and stuff. And then her voice goes, from, "Oh, hey, Marty." he's like mom you're so thin (laughs) he's like hi calvin she thinks his name is calvin because that's what's on his underwear back in the back in the 50s the fad was i didn't know this but a fad back in 55 was to put your name on your underwear (laughs) yeah when did calvin klein come out the 80s yes i'm guessing I guess he came out in the 80s. Well, probably before that, but I mean, really hit down probably somewhere around there. I've never seen purple underwear before, Calvin. (laughs) (laughs) And she looking at him at that point like, I've seen yours, though. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) What's yours? He was in her room in his underwear. In his underwear. And she she took the pants off. off. She She took took the pants off. off. And and she's looking at him like... They're on my hope chest. Um, <laughs> Calvin, do you do you like board games? Yes. What's your favorite board game? Battleship minus Risk. <laughs> do you want to risk with me? Do you want to play Risk? Um. So they. She hears her mom coming upstairs. She's like, oh, shit, my mom. And she throws his pants at him. Like, she knows she done fucked up. 
<laughs> Mom's is coming up to invite them down to dinner. Um, Marty sees his Uncle Joey, who's a baby, who is in a playpen. She's like, are we trying to take him from behind these bars? He, he cries. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because Joey in, in the 80s is still in prison. He didn't get yeah, paroled yeah. again. You better um, get used to these bars, kid. <laughs> <laughs> so they're sitting down eating. Um, Jason Harvey from The Wonder Years is in this movie. Yeah, Wayne Arnold. I was about to say Wayne Arnold. <laughs> Putting on a coonskin cap. Uh, the dad is tinkering with a television. It's the first one that they've ever had. He's finally got it set up, and he's like, now we can watch The Honeymooners, Jackie Gleason, uh, while we eat. Everybody's celebrating. Uh, Lorraine asked Marty, do y'all have a, no, Jason Harvey asked Marty, do y'all have a television in your house? No, Lorraine asked him, right? And he's oh, like, yeah, because because he says, you know, we do. We have two of them. And as I look around at the five TVs in my house, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I wow, the three screens in my room right now. Right? <laughs> yeah. He's like, they must be rich. And his mom's like, come on, man. You know, ain't nobody got no fucking two TVs up in this piece. No, not TVs. <laughs> television sets. Yeah. Yeah. Because they weren't called. I mean, they were calling them TVs, but not that frequently. It was, took a while for people to really start just calling them by the shorter name. So. Um, and he rolled that shit in the fucking kitchen, too. How long was that extension cord in 1955? <laughs> That's a good question. You can get a pretty, you can get a, you can still have gotten a pretty long extension cord back then. Only if you're whooping people with it. So, um, <laughs> the, the kitchen probably got better signal. <laughs> Lorraine's mom is like, well, Marty's grandma is like, do I know your mom? Do I know, do I know your mom? And Marty looks Hold over. On, also, and- those are white people because when my, when I used to go visit my grandma in the country when I was a kid, they still had a black and white TV. And my grandmother ain't never get up and fix the antennas. She always made me or my cousins get up and fix the antennas. That dad, The daddy got up and went and fixed the antennas and didn't let the kids touch the TV. So maybe in the 50s, the kids weren't allowed to touch the TV. Then it evolved to, I ain't getting up out of my chair. You kids go do that shit. I, I thought mean, that yeah, was I interesting. Yeah, I can see that. I can definitely see that. Because there was no remote control back then. They definitely nope. had that. No, no. Yeah, this is you get called it from outside to change the channel for your daddy type shit. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Lorraine's mom is like, I'm going to call your mom. And, and that's when Lorraine is like, since daddy almost killed him, can he sleep in my room? And Marty's like, nope, I got to dip because <laughs> you're putting your hand on my thigh, mom. And um, I'm going to go. So he goes to uh, Doc's house and Doc's like, I don't believe nothing you're saying. And Marty's like, well, uh, Ronald Reagan is the president in 1955 because Doc's <laughs> like, yeah, right. An actor who's who's his wife. And he names the woman Jane Wyman, Jane Wyman, who, when Ronald Reagan saw this movie, he laughed so hard at the fact that he was that Doc didn't believe a actor would be a president, that he had them replay that scene three times. Yeah. But the Jane Wyman part, yeah, they were like, yo, man, 
I'm married, married now. Like, can we can we do something? <laughs> hey, hey, don't be Who's the f- vice president, Jerry Lewis. And has a the, the, the funniest joke, it, like the funniest old people joke is the fact that he says Jack Benny's secretary of the Treasury. The joke being that Jack Benny, part of his um, act was that he was stingy with money. Oh, OK. <laughs> so he convinces Doc that he's really there by telling Doc about the day he fell off the toilet and 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 banged his head in a flush capacitor right. and um then and Doc literally the- has the bandage on his head because mm-hmm. it just happened. It just happened. And then Marty takes him to the car and shows him the flux capacitor and he's laughing because it actually works. Right. Doc is like, yo. All right, cool. I believe you now. We're going to get you back to the future, but you can't talk to nobody else while you're here. You ain't talked to nobody, have you? And Marty's like, <laughs> maybe my mom's and pops, and maybe now my mom is trying to like lick my ass. Like, I can't really go into specifics here, but mom's is sexually harassing me every time she gets a chance. And Doc's like, that's not a good thing. And Marty's like, yeah, it's heavy. And Doc's like, it has nothing to do with gravity. But if you don't get so this in fixed, back to future logic, you end up landing where you left. Yes, that yes. works okay. the exact same place because, like, you know, the, the mall was farmland back before they sold it. Mm-hmm. And even like Doc, you know, he have he, you know, he comes from a rich family and his family still had the mansion. The mansion burned down in 82. Mm-hmm. And okay. part part of Back to the Future lore is that he may have burned it down himself for insurance money to fund his experiments. And so yeah. you, in the 85, he lives in just the garage. It's the only part that's left of the old mansion. And he oh. sold everything else. That's why there's a Burger King immediately three steps away and the Toys R Us and all that. He sold it to developers, the rest of the land. Oh, OK. That makes sense now. And actually, in real life, that Burger King, that's really their garage. Don't ask me why. Don't ask me how. But... Um, <laughs> They agreed to allow them to film in there without needing any permits or anything like that. The only thing that they asked for was that product um, placement. Product placement. And if you look inside of Doc's inside of the garage, he's got whoppers, whopper wrappers everywhere, and, and cups and stuff. You know, mm-hmm. so <laughs> so Doc's like, "Yeah, we got to get your mom and pops together." But the problem is, every time the Lorraine sees Marty, he's a fucking dreamboat every yeah. single time. Like. George walks up to her and she walks right past him and is like, Marty, how's your head? Yeah. Your head good? Like, let me see the bump. And she he's like, it's good. And George just kind of slinks off. Like, <laughs> George has no confidence in himself. No, none. Um, there's a sequence that happens after that where they're in the school because Marty has finally started dressing up like a high schooler would back in the 50s which means he's wearing a suit and tie basically he's got his hair um um slicked down and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um and while they're in there he runs into biff again right because the first time he ran into biff he wasn't paying attention biff was talking to george so so biff wasn't really paying attention to marty but this time uh how does it come about where Biff about is harassing fight? Lorraine in the lunchroom? Yes. Biff is like, yo, can I be honest with y'all? Like I said, a hoy motherfucker. So y'all know kids shouldn't be watching or listening to this. Biff gives off. I'm a rape you vibes from the jump. 
Yeah, like, he, he, yeah. Like he's Bluto. He's essentially you know Bluto. Yes. You know you want it, and I'm gonna be the one to give it to you. Mm-hmm. And Marty's like, "Yo, you ain't gonna be talking to my mom, Lorraine like that." And every single time, which I love, every single time in part one, part two, and part three of Back to the Future, that Biff stands up in front of Marty. He just gets taller slowly. Yeah, <laughs> like, he stands up and then he extends like another three inches. Hold on, so each movie they go back to the same part in time? Nope. No, no, just oh. just the same shot of Biff towering over Marty. Yes, yeah, oh, okay. it's the same architect or yeah. construct. Sorry, don't yeah. worry. You 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 gonna see. You gonna really see. really quick because um, I guess it's a good time to point this out. Do you guys know about the casting issue with this movie? Yes, that Eric Stoltz was originally Marty. Yeah, and, and he shot for act. five weeks. They filmed like a third to like you know forty percent of the movie. And, and he they were was like, a method actor. Yeah, they were like, it's not working. He's a decent actor, but he's not funny. They always wanted Michael J. Fox, but the people at Family Ties said, absolutely not. We need him. He needs to work every day. And so, Yeah, because they, the co-host, the mom in Family yeah. Ties was pregnant at the time, and so she was away. Yeah, and like we can't have two of our lead actors being um, away. So what happened mm-hmm. was that they fired Eric Stoltz finally, and they uh, they begged and begged, and the agreement they had was that Michael J. Fox could work nights on Back to the Future, but he still had to work his regular days on Family Ties. So he spent like most of the first half of 1985 sleeping in the back of trucks to and from Jeez. studio sets. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, that sounds awful. <laughs> also, yeah. Biff was in real life is played by a really nice guy named Tom Wilson who yes. was getting sick and tired of getting beat up every single day by Eric Stoltz. Yeah. Cause Eric Stoltz would really hit him. Because <laughs> he's a method actor. And so Biff oh. was planning on beating him up or Tom was planning on beating him up when he gives him a punch in the stomach at the dance, he was really going to punch him hard, like take him out. And then he found out Eric Stoltz got fired him and <laughs> Uh, Christopher Lloyd, when they were told Eric had left the set and was no longer going to be working, they were like, who? Because he insisted <laughs> that everybody call him Marty because he was a method actor. Right. The only time he came out of method acting was the hit on Leah Thompson. Oh, my. Oh. <laughs> His mama. Yep. Hey, you know what? We could play Risk. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. But, um, yeah. So... How old was Christopher Lloyd when this movie was made? You know what? I feel Pushing like 50. I feel like he's forever. Pushing 50. He's born in 38. So he was like 40. Oh, God, I know math. 46, 47. He looked like he could be anywhere between 50 and 100. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was like 46 because he's like 80 something now. So as they're walking through the school, uh, Marty and Doc, because Doc has to get him enrolled or whatever. Um, right. Doc is like, which one's your dad? And Marty points at George who's getting kicked in the ass all the way up the hallway. With a kick me sign. With a kick like, me you know. sign on his back. <laughs> I've tried putting kick me signs on people's backs. Nobody kicked them. I was like, put out. I was like, do you know how much work it takes to really put a piece of tape on your hand and pat somebody on the back and it says kick me? Nobody would kick him in the ass, but everybody was kicking George. Like he was dropping papers. Oh, very funny, guys. You made me drop my books. He turned around, somebody else kicked him in his ass. 
Strickland yeah. came out and saw the pill kicking him in his ass and was like, you're a slacker. <laughs> you're a slacker, McFly. You'll always be a slacker. We never meet Jordan's parents. Apparently, they're slackers, too. <laughs> um, and Doc's like, maybe you're adopted. <laughs> <laughs> that, that can't be your dad. Marty tries to encourage George to talk to Lorraine. Um, but Lorraine, like I said, walks right past George and goes straight over to Marty. Doc says that the situation is more serious than he thought because George lacks the self-confidence, obviously, to ask Lorraine out because Lorraine is cute. and Because he's a nerd. He's a nerd peeping Tom who writes science fiction novels before science fiction was really even a thing. Back when it was just like, uh, what are they called? The Penny. He's Kurt Vonnegut. Pulp, pulp, pulp magazines. Pulp magazines. Yep. Yeah. yeah, pulp magazines. So um, Marty tries to talk to George again, saying that Lorraine's been saying that he should take, that George should take him, take her to the Enchantment Under the Sea dance. And George is like, for real? And I feel like the Enchantment Under the Sea dance was like their prom. Yeah, it was. But it couldn't be. In November. It was yeah, just a, had, a dance. You know, schools had them dances. But I was thinking the reason why they had a band was because they ain't got no fucking DJs in 1955. What are we doing? Like, right, they had to have a band back then. Exactly. They had real music. Right. Unlike you young people who want to just be <laughs> all the digital stuff. And they real have a, music with instruments. And with a black band. Yep. Well, that's who went around in the 50s and 60s. Black people. But in the 55, a black band is really saying something good, sir. Right, in they're in Cali- school. They're in California, and the school the school's not quite all white. There are a couple, there are like like three or four black people in the school. Like, is that's that's about right for California? Like, they would let a black mm-hmm. band play. There would be a handful of black students. It wasn't really equal, right. but like California was was a lot better than say like Mississippi or like yeah, this would Alabama. have been a completely different movie in Mississippi, right? <laughs> So Doc is like, you know, your mom and dad's relationship is a version of the Florence Nightingale effect. Yeah. Which, Where you fall in love with your patient. Yeah. Which is what happened with her and, and Marty. Just trans, right. just transference. Um, Biff start when Biff and Marty are about to fight in the uh, in the lunchroom. Strickland breaks it up. Um, and then a paper airplane gets thrown. And Strickland's like, squirrel. And he walks away <laughs> to find out who threw the paper airplane. Marty followed George home, and George's like, stop following me, dude. Like, it's creepy. <laughs> like, he wasn't literally peeping Tom on somebody just the day before. Right. Um, and he's like, please ask her out. And Marty and George's like, nah, nobody in this world is going to make me ask her out. So Marty puts back on his radiation suit. And pulls out his headphones and his Walkman and Eddie Van Halen's music. <laughs> and puts the earphones on George, turns the volume all the way up and turns on Eddie Van Halen riffing the guitar and tells George that he is Darth Vader from the planet <laughs> Vulcan. <laughs> and tells George that unless he wants his brain melted, he better go ask Lorraine out, which is very specific for an alien from another planet. <laughs> so am, I, am I to believe that George then created Star Trek and Star Wars? No, he created that book that he had. Yeah. Oh, he just created that book. So he's not super rich. No. 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 Okay. 
So the next day, George rushes up to Marty at the gas station. He's like, I skipped school. I overslept. Fuck it. Fuck it. I, I need to ask Lorraine now help. And so Marty uh, takes George back over to Lou's diner where Lorraine is hanging out with her friends. And he's like, go tell her that you're her destiny. So George goes over and he's like, hi, Lorraine. I'm George. I'm your density. <laughs> and she looks like George. she's actually into it. Yeah, she she's looks, charmed by it. She's, she's, charmed. she's into it. Like, like she's like, yo, that's cute. And he's sitting there like he really means I'm your density. <laughs> and she's looking at him like, I can play risk with him until Biff comes in. And um Biff comes in to toss George back out because didn't we tell you you can't come up in this motherfucker? So Biff's like, give me all your money. And George is like punking out. And Marty's like, hey. He says, how much money would you like, Biff? Exactly. (laughs) And and Marty, as Biff is walking past, sticks his foot out and trips Biff. And that's when Biff grows another five inches. (laughs) (laughs) And Marty's like, look over there, Biff. And Biff looks and Marty decks him and then runs out the back. And again, he's such a dreamboat. (laughs) And George's like, And then he invents the skateboard. He invents the skateboard. Because he's Forrest Gump. (laughs) So Biff and his goons chase Marty around in Biff's car while uh, Biff or while Marty is sketching, basically. Uh, holding on to the back of cars. He did this on his way to school in 85, so he's a he's a pro at it. He's sketching yeah. on the back of vehicles, holding on to the back of cars while he's standing on his skateboard. Uh, but there's a point in time where a car door opens, so Marty has to get off the car that he's holding on to, and they end up on a sidewalk. He's skating down the sidewalk. They're driving behind him. They're laughing. They're trying to run him over because why not murder? <laughs> you trip me, I kill you. What what what's what's really the difference? Like, why not murder? Right. Um, none of the friends are like Biff, slow this motherfucker down. Let me out, though. <laughs> Before you run him over. <laughs> Let me out, though. Let's <laughs> see what you're about to do. I see it in 3D. Um, Marty is being they're trying to literally ram him. Um, into whatever they can. Marty, seeing a truck pulling up behind him, jumps off the skateboard, climbs over the hood of the car between mm-hmm. Biff and Billy Zane, between the two on the back seat, hops onto the skateboard again, skirts off, stops the skateboard. The car skids into a manure pile. Yep. They land out, they, they scream out, shit, as it runs into the manure pile. <laughs> Trust me, seeing this enough times on TBS and TNT, that is not what they say when it goes in. I think they say crap. Same difference. Yeah, they say crap. But um, Goldie's the first one out to try and help him. But shit, that's manure, dude. Woo, I can't do nothing for you. And again, Lorraine says that Marty is a dreamboat. Yeah. So George just slinks off. George George has told Marty about his uh his notebook and his his science fiction and how he don't let nobody read it. He takes his notebook and goes home. The girls are asking, where where Calvin come from? And Lorraine's like, I don't know, but I'm gonna find out. So she follows this motherfucker. Yes. 
back to Doc's house. And the Doc is showing Marty how he's going to use the lightning bolt to power the 1.21 gigawatts that Marty needs in a DeLorean to get back home. Um, there's going to be a long rod attached to the back of the DeLorean, which will channel mm-hmm. the energy from the bolt directly into the flux capacitor. It's very scientific. Mm-hmm. And the timing I, has to be very precise. Yeah. I apologize for the, um, the crudity of this model. I didn't have time to make it to scale or to paint it. <laughs> <laughs> this is this fucking intricate shit that he's put on top of his ping pong table. <laughs> In like a day. Yeah. <laughs> In like a day. And so the... Model works so well that the car sets on fire, which yes. shouldn't alarm Marty at all. You know what? <laughs> and the uh, car drives directly into the trash can, which is a car full of paper. So now the trash can's on fire. Doc puts up, uses the fire extinguisher to put out the fire right as there's a knock at the door. And Doc's like, who the fuck you tell was here? Who ta- who, who you tell? And Marty's like, I don't know. And so Doc goes and answers the door and it's Lorraine who followed Marty. And Doc and Marty cover up the DeLorean as Lorraine's like, I was wondering if, you know, I was, because, you know, she never, she would never do anything like ask a boy out because that's way too forward. So she's stumbling over the shit. Like, honestly, like, that's how I saw it. I was wondering if, you know, you, you wanted to, you know, ask me to the Under the Enchantment dance. And Marty tries to back out, but Lorraine's like, nah, thanks. (laughs) <laughs> He's like, what about George? And she's like, ah, George is cute, but I need a real man who will stand up for the woman he loves. Yeah. And yeah. Doc is standing <laughs> in the back like. <laughs> Christopher Lloyd's faces in the scene are hysterical in and of themselves because he just back there like. I told you. <laughs> he did not tell you. I told you. Did not tell you. <laughs> so Marty tells George, look, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to be at the dance with Lorraine, but before we get there, we're going to sit in the car and I'm going to act like I'm pushing up on her, but you got to trust me. I'm really fucking not. Yeah. And you're going to pull me out of the car and act like you're beating me up, proving that you're the bigger man. I'm going to put the moves on her. You're going to put the kibosh on that. Pull me out the car. Act like you're fighting me. Ask her if she needs help. You two fall in love. I will survive. <laughs> hey, you, take your damn hands off of her. Really think I ought to swear? <laughs> <laughs> Shaking his fist while he says it. You take your paws. <laughs> so uh, the dance arrives, and George is already there waiting for his cue. Um, the Starlighters are performing on the stage. Um, Marty writes Doc a letter telling him that on the night that he goes back in the past, you're going to get murdered. Right. And he slips the note into the pocket of Doc's coat while Doc is in the middle of using $50 to bribe a cop who asks him, hey, Doc, do you got a, a permit for this weather experiment? And Doc's like, of course I do. It's, it's Come here, I'm sorry. It's green. <laughs> It's the green permit. Yeah. <laughs> and so Marty arrives at the dance and Doc's car with Lorraine. And as they stop, he asks her if they could park for a while. And she's like, yeah, this ain't my first time parking, motherfucker. We about to have hot, sweaty relations. <laughs> and Marty's like, what the fuck? And then it goes even what the fuckier when she pulls out a small bottle of whiskey and starts to smoke. Which are two habits that she had in 85, but he didn't. He thought it just happened because of his daddy. Nope. Right. 
your mama who's been this paragon of virtue to you your entire life has been living a lie. Right. <sighs> I didn't pick that Smoking up until literally. In the car? Huh? So she's pounding heaters in the car? And not only that, it ain't her car. That's true. Like right. you just smoking cigarettes in some random person's car, like and drinking. <laughs> and Marty's like, you may regret it later. And Lorraine's like, you sound just like my mom. <laughs> and Marty's like, <laughs> and she Marty's like, you know what? I don't think we should do this. And Lorraine's like, you know what, Marty, when I feel when you know what, Calvin, sometimes you just gotta basically sometimes you just gotta say what the fuck. <laughs> and she jumps on him and kisses him super hard on the lips like she's never kissed somebody before and it's uncomfortable so it's no surprise when she's like it felt like she was kissing her brother no shit where's the tongue at sis I'm not saying anything about the incest but if you're gonna kiss somebody you gotta do better than just hard lip on hard lip mm, doesn't do shit you, you probably bit your bottom lip while you were doing that shit that's all I'm saying. Like, he wasn't expecting it. You rushed into him. I'm shocked y'all didn't knock foreheads. Of course, it felt like you were kissing a sibling. But if you had given him time, we would have all freaked the fuck out in 85. So do you, boo. <laughs> so just then the door opens and Marty's like, thank God. He gets pulled out the car. He's thinking that it's uh, George, but it's Biff who's mad about the $300 that he had to pay to get his car fixed. And now he's going to take that out of Marty's ass. But before he could beat up Marty, he looks down and $300 in 1955, that's a lot of money. That's a mm -hmm. lot, a lot of money. But before he could beat up Marty, he hears Lorraine and looks down and sees straight from Lorraine's chest all the way down to her shoes because he could see through her, like he could see cleavage, and he's like, that's all I need to get by. Y'all take care of him. I'm going to take care of her. He gets in the car and starts laughing. Marty, our match skinhead in 3D, are sitting there watching this. And he's like, what are y'all doing? This ain't no peep show. And they leave to take Marty away. Mm -hmm. But before they, they don't even beat him up. Like, they ain't going to get up. a chance to beat him up. Because, no, they throw him in the trunk of the car and close it. Oh, yeah, I forgot, yeah. So he said, hold him. I'll be there in a second. Nah, we're putting him in the trunk so we can come back and watch you fuck Lorraine real quick, dog. Like, <laughs> we ain't missing this. So they throw him in the trunk, and they're like, and, and the uh, Starlighters come out, and they're like, what the fuck are you doing? And the one of the white boys like, this doesn't concern you, spook. And three more of them get out of this car, and they're like, it concerns us now. So they all run off. Who the you calling a spook, Pecklewood? <laughs> the thing that I noticed about this car, the entire back window, it looks like, okay, so this is not a joke. There are a lot of folks in this day and age who don't have a place to live, and so they're living in their RVs, or they're living in their vehicles. And so their vehicles are full up with their belongings. You can't see out the window. You can't see through a rearview mirror because it's completely, like, covered. Yeah, they got a lot of stuff in that. That's what Marvin Barry's car looked like. Like, you couldn't even see out the yeah. rear window. It was just like, shit. And I was looking at it like, what the fuck? Like, I mean, they were in the they were inside the car smoking, whatever. But that car was filthy. And well, I imagine that they're, 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 a tour, they're a touring band, and they, they basically, you know, live out of the car. Like, you know, like, they probably find, like, hotels or, like, you know, boarding rooms, whatever like that. But Yeah, because you know, they're, you know, the green... 
what's it called? The, the Green Book. The Green Book probably doesn't have yeah. anything for California. So they probably get probably told, not. you know, you can sing this, but you got to sleep out in the car afterwards. Right. So they run him off. They run off uh, the three Peckerwoods. I never really get a chance to say Peckerwoods. Um, <laughs> and they're like, uh, we took care of them. And Marty's knocking on the inside of the trunk like, hey, can y'all help me out? And um, they ask Marvin, hey, where's the keys at? And Marty's like, they're in here with me. Like, I don't know who made that mistake. There ain't no <laughs> trunk popper in 1955. It looked like, like they was putting the um, bags in the trunk at the time. So it might have been the bag. Yeah, but, might be. I, you, but there ain't no trunk popper. Like, that would be the worst. And so Doc arrives, or George arrives at Doc's car and opens the door as planned. And he's, like, doing the line because he doesn't see this biff. So he's saying the line with force. He's practiced it. <laughs> you get your damn hands off of her, and Biff comes out and again grows <laughs> <laughs> like eight inches. And George looks like the best way I could put it is when in Tom and Jerry, when Tom <laughs> realizes that the the pit bull that that Butch is behind him, and he just no, it's not Butch, but when he realized. Spike when he realized Spike is behind him and he just reaches out and puts his hand on Spike's face <laughs> and then you just see him go white. That's how George looked when he realized Biff got out that car. And he takes a half-hearted punch it at Biff because, you know, this Lorraine really needs his help. Right. But Biff catches his arm and begins to twist it and Lorraine's like, stop doing that. And, and Biff just pushes Lorraine, like mushes her whole face and shoves her back in the car and then starts laughing. Like, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, shoves her to the ground and then starts laughing. Yeah, this really, like, evil, maniacal laugh. Mm -hmm. And George hears that laugh and gets mad and so he summons up the strength and courage and knocks this motherfucker out with his left. Mm -hmm. You need to watch out for the left. And I tell my kids on my basketball team all the time, you know what? 95% of the people in the world don't expect you to be left-handed. <laughs> and so when he came with that weak ass right, it was because this nigga's a lefty. He came mm -hmm. with that left and was just like clack, clack. <laughs> burr, 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 burr. <laughs> that music from Mike Tyson Punch started playing. Da, 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 da. <laughs> One, two, three. And George walks over Biff and he's like, <laughs> he's laughing. <laughs> oh, what's up, Lorraine? Hey, <laughs> yeah, I boo. And he picks her up and leads her into the uh, into the dance hall. And Marty gets free from Marv Marvin Barry's car, but in doing so, Marvin slices his hand open. Mm -hmm. Um. So Marty gets out just in time to see Biff get knocked the fuck out. Damn! So Marty, <laughs> knowing that his future isn't sealed until George kisses Lorraine, goes back to the band and sees that Marvin's unable to play guitar because he injured his hand. And so he's like, the, the dance is over unless you know somebody who can play. So Marty's playing the yep. guitar. <laughs> and looking awkward as shit. Yeah. And nobody in the crowd is like, Marty's up there. Because honestly, honestly. He's been at school for a week. He's been at school for a week. Lorraine should be happy that George just saved her, but at the same time, oh my God, Calvin's on stage. Isn't he a dream? <laughs> <laughs> because chicks and musicians. At this point, he'd already told her his name is Marty, too. 
But she, she still don't, call him counsel. She, she called him counsel. But I think after the whole, I felt like I was kissing my brother thing. That's just done. That could be, yeah. Yeah. Even though she kissed him horribly. Like, on the scale of <laughs> one to ten, I'm giving that a negative three. Like, that was a bad kiss. <laughs> like, listeners, if you're not driving, which is important, take your fist, turn it backwards so you're seeing the back of your fist, kiss the back of your fist using a hard press of your lips. Don't use a tongue. Don't use no moisture. Just... <laughs> you literally your bottom lip hurts when you do shit like that it's uncalled for so <laughs> marty is playing but his hand is literally fading out because we find out that because george and lorraine's history has been changed back midway through the movie as we go further and further and they move further and further apart from each other marty and his siblings are going to start to disappear from the picture that marty showed doc Mm-hmm. Uh, starting with his older brother Dave, and then his sister mm-hmm. Linda, and then ending with Marty. Well, Dave and Linda are gone, and I so love now time travel trope. It's it's a great one. It's I it's love it. it's my second favorite. My favorite one is from Time Cop. Like matter cannot occupy the same space is greatness, but we'll get there down the line. Um, so Marty's last, and his hand is starting to fade out, so he can't play very well. Right. Um, while they're playing Earth Angel. And Marty's feeling weak and George is feeling weak because some guy who literally looks like um, the Shermanator from American Pie, <laughs> which was weird because this is 85, but that kid looks just like the Shermanator and shoves George out the way and is like, I'm taking this dance. And he's dancing with her while Lorraine's like, George, George. And George's looking all sad for a second. And then George's like, wait, I just knocked Biff the fuck out. <laughs> fuck out of here, dude. And he puts the kid to the floor and then he kisses Lorraine like in one move. And then Marty springs up just as yeah. gorgeous. <laughs> Marty sprang up like an erection. I just gotta say <laughs> as as Marty came back to life, it was like bing! it literally seemed like a Vialis commercial. <laughs> <laughs> And so George and Lorraine are kissing and Marty is waving at George and George is waving at Marty. And people are like, George, you should run for class president based your only campaign point, my nigga. (laughs) Hey, if this is the other person, if I'm elected for president, I will change the budget for uh, studies. We will have better school books. Um, We will have a lunch program that is healthy and is viable for all students. I will also work to get us a later start time at school, and I will work hand-in-hand with the principal to get better parking for the students. Thank you so much. (laughs) Next, we have George McFly. George, uh, you have three minutes on the clock. This is a debate. What do you say in response to the question of why should we elect you as president? You see this left hand? (laughs) this left hand and me we gonna be president (laughs) his his pictures for his campaign poster isn't even him it's just a picture of his fist (laughs) make the left decision (laughs) it was the author fist before oh Oh my God! Not even make the right the decision. Make the, right? It was the Arthur Fist. Oh my God! Oh my God! Who make the left decision? Vote for George McFly. Left fist as a vice president. Um. So they're all good. Marvin asks if he if if 
uh, Marty wants to play another song. Marty's like, nah, I got to get the fuck out of here, dog. He's like, nah, just one more, man. Just one more. Do it again. So this is where Marty acts like he invented Johnny Be Good. He actually said it's an oldie but goodie where he's from. Mm-hmm. For what it's worth, he did not appropriate the shit. He told them that where he's from, this song's already been out. Y'all just ain't heard it yet. <laughs> he tried. <laughs> he tried. Hey, I Chuck. Just- hey, Chuck, it's me, your cousin. Your cousin, Marvin Berry? Hey, you know that new sound you're looking for? Well, <laughs> listen to this. You, you mean you mean the old sound that I wrote? Like, wait. <laughs> wait. I'm, wait, I'm looking down at the paper that looks like a flux capacitor right now. Like, I wrote that. So, hey, are the next words way down in Mississippi? Or way down in the bayou in New Orleans? Is that the next words? Dude, hey, wrap him up. I don't know how he's doing this shit, but so he plays that and then he goes Angus Young and starts hopping across the stage and rolls all over the floor and kicks over the speaker and, and then he realizes like he's a fucking alien. They looking at him like he's a demon. And he was like, Y'all may not be ready for that, but your kids are gonna fucking love it. But obviously they don't because Huey Lewis and the news were like, You gotta go. <laughs> Huey and them were like, mmm. Who made this decision? So <laughs> Marty's about to skirt off. He sees Lorraine and George in the hallway. He's like, hey, yo. Lorraine's like, is it okay for George to take me home? And Marty's like, yeah, man. That's cool. <laughs> That's what's up. Hey, um, if you have a son, <laughs> accidentally sets fire to the living room rug when he's eight years old, go easy on him. And they're like, <laughs> whatever (laughs) (laughs) so i want to hear that story in the future i I really wanted to hear about that remember when marty burnt the carpet (laughs) (laughs) and so we go back to the Times square where doc is waiting for marty to come back marty skirts up in his in mark in doc's car doc goes up um and to him says what the fuck happened marty's like i needed time to change back to my clothes from 1985 i'm not going back there wearing that fucking zoot suit (laughs) <laughs> what's wrong with you I want to wear the life preserver <laughs> hey kid you jump ship <laughs> um, that's true they, hmm? I said that's true as they prepare to leave or as they prepare for the event Doc finds the letter too early and Marty's right. like uh, don't tear that up and Doc's like, I can't know about the future. It's too risky. It'll fuck up the space-time continuum. And he rips the, the letter up, like, into pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, right at that time, a falling tree limb disconnects the cable he's installed from the clock tower to the street. So Doc climbs the clock tower and has Marty feed him the cable. There's a big enough distance between them. And as Marty tries to tell Doc anyway what the fuck's going to happen to him in 85 that Doc can't hear him because there's right. there's, there's lightning. The you storm know, is thunder. starting too. Yeah. yeah. The storm is starting, the thunder rolls and the lightning strikes. You know, a a, a woman reach a, a marriage goes cold on a lonely night. Garth Brooks, y'all. It's one of his best <laughs> songs. So Marty runs back to the DeLorean and raced off to the stop starting point that uh Doc has painted out for him. And he's also like, damn it, Doc, why'd you tear up that note? Like it's it's heartfelt. 
Michael yeah, J. Fox is a really fucking good actor, y'all. He's a really he's a phenomenal actor. He's like, if only I had more time. And he's like, I, bitch, I'm in a time machine. I'm in a time machine. I, can, I have all the time I need. I'll <laughs> be enough. Click, 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 click. That's that's my problem with you, Marty. You're in California. You can't get nowhere in 10 minutes, my dog. Like, I don't care if it's one o'clock in the morning. You should have set that shit back 30 minutes. Met Doc there. I was just about to call you, Marty. Yeah, I know you were. <laughs> so look, my nigga, like, <laughs> them Liberians that you was fucking with, they know you here, my dude. Like, you don't want to do that. Hey, put on this vest. No, not the Coast Guard vest. This bulletproof vest. Trust me. Also, does no one aim for the head anymore? Like, you literally got an Uzi. Spray the area. Like, why are we going full tilt to the chest? Anyhow. <sighs> He sets the clock 11 minutes earlier so he can warn Doc, but then the car stalls because it's a DeLorean. Right. <laughs> and that's great drama. Like, Brandon, you don't know. Back in the 80s, that was like, <gasps> <laughs> everybody was like, <gasps> he's got to get back in time. Um, Doc is at the same time that Marty is um, trying to start the car again. Doc is re- trying to reconnect the cable, but the cable is across the huge clock tower clock. So he has to walk across this small little footing, this small little, it's not even a ledge. It's barely a ledge. He has it's to go awning, across I guess. that. Not an awning, but yeah. While this thing is breaking underneath his feet and there's lightning and there's thunder and I'm scared of heights. So I was right. freaking out. Um, Doc gets it connected, but he can't pull it all the way through because the tree branch has fallen onto the cable, lodging it in between the branch. So it won't stretch far. During this process, that's How a great question because he got dead. hit by lightning. <laughs> I wonder how he's not dead. He got hit by lightning and hopped right back up, like, <laughs> like, like the ultimate warrior, no selling triple H. <laughs> he, he hopped back up and celebrated. Yes. <laughs> he should have been twitching. Um, he gets the cable connected on the clock tower, loops two loops around the uh, minute hand of the clock, slides back down, making a zip line, connects the two cables right as Marty hits 88 miles per hour and hits where the lightning is striking at. The lightning strikes, passes through the cables right as Doc is connecting them. Maybe the cables grounded the lightning so it didn't hit Doc. It pushes him away is what happens when it happens. He does he never makes contact with the lightning. Like it's like split second thing. Yeah. Should have been dead though. <laughs> the funny thing is so and when I was in college, they had a copy of this screenplay. And at this moment in the script, it literally says in all capital letters, the greatest lightning bolt in the history of cinema strikes. And <laughs> it goes to the camera, it's the car in all caps. So like they they really set the bar high for themselves, which they made they made it. It's a great looking shot. <laughs> I mean, just wait until that lightning bolt sun shows up in the movie, though. Like my dad was the greatest lightning bolt. I'm greatest lightning bolt junior. Um, so Marty shows up. In 1985 at 1.24 a.m., a homeless guy is awoken by three sonic booms. The Mm -hmm. bum, who was red, quips crazy drunk drivers. (laughs) Um, Marty backs the DeLorean out and turns around, only for the car to promptly ice up from the time travel trip and stop running. 
just in the Liberians pull up past Marty in the V-Dub bus mm-hmm. going to the mall. Um, Marty jumps back into the into the DeLorean. It stalls on him again again. So he runs to the mall where the initial experiment is taking place. This is why you always leave 20 minutes early, ladies and gentlemen. As he arrives, he sees that the we see that the sign now reads Lone Pine Mall because, again, mm-hmm. Peabody never regrew the pine tree that Marty destroyed. He sees right. Doc get shot again. And watch from a distance as the Liberians or the Libyans uh, chase his uh, previous self around the parking lot. Yep. When the DeLorean vanishes and the Libyans lose control of their van and crash into the photo kiosk and tips on his side, Marty runs down the dock. The Libyans ain't dead, though, people. (laughs) They'll be back. (laughs) <laughs> they should have just got out the car. And oh, like, no, oh, no, they might be dead. They did crash into that barn. It, that bin. They crashed into a, a Kodak. A store or something. They they crashed into a Dutch Brothers coffee stand, my dude. Like, they are not <laughs> dead. That, that, that V-Dub bus has been through a lot worse than that. They should have hopped out, heard Doc's voice, came back with the rocket launcher, which we I mean, know I- they have. I assume they have a bunch of broken bones, so you know, like if not if nothing else. Hey, they said they were wearing seatbelts. <laughs> One of them had a seatbelt on. He was like, "Doe, let me out." <laughs> and they were like, "We already gone." One of them should have had a seatbelt on and came back and shot both of them, like in the back of their heads. End of story. That's why I don't make these movies. So <laughs> Marty runs over, cries over Doc. Doc opens his eyes as that great sound effect plays again. That's the sound effect of something done changed in the portal of time. <laughs> um, Marty's stunned until Doc opens his shirt, revealing that he's wearing a bulletproof vest. And Marty's like, what about all that stuff you were talking about? The consequence of changing the space-time continuum and stuff like that? And Doc was like, I figure, what the hell? Yeah, and he, he, he taped the letter back together. Mm-hmm. He, he shows as well. And it's like, you know, I understand that because I'm all about saving the space-time continuum until it's something that deals with me. Right. (laughs) (laughs) It's not selfish if it's me, right? (laughs) Wait, that's that's what's that's the definition of selfish? Fuck you guys. I'm alive. So um Doc drives Marty home and tells me he plans to go about 30 years in the future. Marty's like, look me up. I'll be about 47. And Doc's like, cool. At first, Doc wanted to go back in time. And when Jesus was born, he was thinking about that. He was thinking about going back back to where the uh, Declaration (laughs) of Independence was signed. Like, I don't know how he was planning to drive through all those trees to get from California to Philadelphia. But (laughs) do you, dog? Um, But he drops him off and he drives off into the night. We hear the flash of light, the three sonic booms. Marty wakes up the next morning to find out the furniture in his house is arranged differently, is cleaner, is newer, is better. Dave is wearing a suit and is working at an office job. Linda said McDonald's. Yes. Linda <laughs> looks like she's about 27, 29. Is keeping trouble keeping track of all the teenage boys who he calling her for dates. She's supposed Dave, to be like 19. Which Dave doesn't appreciate. Dave's like, I always wear a suit to, to the office. Yeah. <laughs> Marty, like, can't you tell? I look 31, but I'm really 22 in this movie. What? <laughs> Always wear a suit. George and Lorraine arrive home from a tennis match, and Marty falls the fuck out. <laughs> he literally faints. 
It's like, Mom, you're so thin. And she's like, thank you. And George slaps her on the ass because, you know, since there was no Florence Nightingale effect, they had to actually learn to love each other. Like, their love yes. grew from actual appreciation and enjoyment with each other instead of just... Infatuation because she almost got hit by her daddy. Right. Can, because that infatuation... It seemed in the the first timeline, it seemed like that infatuation had turned to contempt that she was trying to fight off. But it was true contempt of the relationship they had. Right. And where they were. Um, That was when I realized I was going to be with your father for the rest of my life. (laughs) Glug, glug, glug. (laughs) Full glass, y'all. Like, seriously. (laughs) So... Uh, Lorraine asked Marty about the camping trip he has planned with Jennifer and Marty's like remember the car got wrecked because Biff crashed their car in the original timeline because he was drinking and driving Yep. he literally says uh, who's going to pay for this beer to get cleaned off my shirt Mm -hmm. Uh, we're going to put this on your insurance George Uh, (laughs) handle that shit Um, and so on this timeline, everybody's like, the car's wrecked. What? Dave's like, when did that happen? And they run out to the run outside and George's like, no, it's not wrecked. And it's not even the same car. It's a fucking BMW. And he's like, Biff's putting on the wax job right now. Biff, now don't forget, I want two coats of wax on it this time around. And Biff's like, I just, I'm starting the second coat right now. And George's like, Biff. Don't con me. Don't con me, Biff. <laughs> With the left fist. With the left fist up. Don't con me, Biff. And Biff's like, I'm fucking with you. I'm fucking with you. I'm I'm going to start the second coat after I finish the first coat. And Biff's like, ah, that Biff. Or George's like, that Biff. Always a jokester. Nah. Lorraine's like, but if it wasn't for him, we would have never got together. They don't even mention Marty. All right. Like, if you remember all the way back to Biff, I, I would, well, I've heard, I've read things where folks are like, do you remember people that you met for only 10 days in your life? And in that, no. But if those 10 days were literally where me and your father met, or me and your mom met, or me and your significant other met, I think I'm going to remember that guy who was like, you know, you should go talk to her. Just in the contract, the whole the whole thing. Like Lorraine, no, she won't mention the fact that she wanted to bang the fuck out of Calvin. Right. But George should remember that this guy kept saying, you know, you should go talk to her. Right. And so finally, I made my move. Like we had set up this thing because it's a whole adventure. If you really think about it, yeah, we had set up this thing where he was going to start dating her, and then I was going to act like he was going to act too rough with her, so I was going to beat him up, and that was how I was going to gain her love. But it turned out the bit was there, and then the mom would jump in and be like, "Hey, yeah, this is what happened." It could be made into a funny story at that point in time. But the bottom line is, Calvin was a big part of their how we met story. Yeah. So how the fuck you forget a nigga who looked just like your son? <laughs> you know what? As Calvin gets all as as Marty gets older and older, you know, he looks just like Lorraine, get your ass in here. <laughs> Ooh, hey, that nigga that you kept calling a dream boat. <laughs> Why does our son look just like him? <laughs> and it's not even like a little imperfection it's not even like a blending of of like mother and father to where he looks a little bit different marty looks just like calvin like we're having a conversation <laughs> but instead 
Did they know they were getting a sequel? Is that why they did oh, this ending? Had no idea. Had no, no idea. No. It's supposed to be a joke ending. Oh the, no, because <laughs> at the when I went and saw it in the theater, maybe they had already made that decision. But when no, I went no, in the no. theater, to be it continued. The theater, no, it no, it it's just to be continued on the video. In the original, in the oh. theater, it said the it, 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 it ended. Oh, like if you watch it on oh. Blu-ray now, they use the original version where See, it just and ends. That's, that's literally the definition of the Mandela effect because I yeah. swore that it said <laughs> to be continued in the movie theater. Nah, I know that when it, we went and saw part two, it said to be concluded. Yeah, in the yeah. movie theater. Yeah, okay. the, the yeah part one when they put it on video. By the time it came on video, they were like, you know, it was the biggest movie of the year. We're going to make a sequel, mm-hmm. and so like they did part two and part three. They shot them back to back. And so they, okay, and so they knew it. they had two movies. So they wrote one movie, but it was like three hundred, like like two hundred pages long of a script. So they had to cut it in half, basically. Which makes sense because yeah. when you see part two, it makes sense. So um, Biff is like, "Hey, by the way, Marty, here's the keys. Good luck tonight." And Marty goes out <laughs> and sees a truck out in the in the garage, and Jennifer comes up, and uh, Marty's like, "Oh, you're a sight for sore eyes," and she's like, "You're acting like you ain't seen me in a week," and he's like, "I haven't." <laughs> and they're kissing and everything and then you hear them three booms boom 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 and doc pulls up and now instead of eating <laughs> plutonium because he learned his lesson in one fucking like going to the future the first thing he changed was i don't need no more plutonium i will take that miller high life though <laughs> and a, a banana peel <laughs> and the can of the miller high life and i'm gonna put it in my mr fusion which means fuel. that, which means <laughs> that anything that you have, anything like organic at all, or anything, anything like that, organic yeah. can now be nuclear. That's what I read from Mister Fusion. Like you're literally able to make anything into the fuel for this, which was originally a nuclear reactor. And he's mm-hmm. like, "Yo, we got to go to the future." And uh, Marty's like, "I'm about to hang out with my girl. Uh, now that my mom knows about her, I only need one sleeping bag for this trip." Um, don't fuck this up for me, Doc. And he's like, she can come too. And Marty's like, what happens? Do we end up being complete assholes in the future or something? And Doc's like, nah, it ain't you. It's your fucking kids. Your kids, Marty. Something's gotta be done about your kids. And Jennifer looks at Marty like... She was remarkably calm to be hearing all this nonsense. She really was. Because I would have been like, we fucking... (laughs) <laughs> what kids are we talking about and so they get into the DeLorean and Marty looks down a literally endless road I didn't even see the end of this block I didn't see anything at the end of this block I'm looking down to see where I can see the the, the house that shows you either got to go to the left or the right because you can't keep going straight I don't see it Marty says to Doc Doc you're not going to have enough room to get to 88 yes the fuck he would have <laughs> You don't have enough road to get to 88. And Doc said something that when I was five was the coolest shit I ever heard in my life. And he was like, roads? Where we're going? We don't need roads. And the car lifted up and fucking flew off and we lost our goddamn minds. And that's the end of Back to the Future Part 1. Brandon, what'd you think of the movie? No, I love the movie. (laughs) I'm glad you love this movie. Because, um... It's the best. It was I, a I lot have, of fun. It was very Steven Spielberg. You know, this this movie reminded me a lot of, because it was Zemeckis, you know, it feels like yeah. the other thing that he made, Amazing Stories. Yes. Um, which was such a wonderful series in the 80s. 
but this feels like that as well. Also, um, yeah, next week we're going right back for part two. So I'm glad you like this. Uh, right. See, what'd you think about? Well, I know how you felt about the yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, love it. Absolutely love it. So, like every time I watch it, like rewatching it yesterday, just like I just like I, I must, I'm embarrassed. I stood up and I stood up and applauded when uh, <laughs> <laughs> the lightning bolt hit. He went back. I've seen this movie at least fifty times. Exactly. <laughs> Like I said, this is one of the ones that I can sit down and tell you step by step what happens. And for part two, I can tell you that I actually still have the book version of Back to the Future Part Two. Mm-hmm. I bought the novel for Back to the Future Part Two. All right, I'll be real. I stole it from a friend. But I have it still in my front room. Um I'm looking forward to discussing these next two movies with y'all. So, yes, ladies and gentlemen, the next three weeks will be dedicated solely to the Back to the Future franchise. Um, buckle up. Get in, losers. We're going to Hill Valley. Um, <laughs> so, see, you got anything you want to shout out or, or anything you got coming up you want to discuss? Um, by the time we get to two and three, I'll have more to dis- I'll have more to plug then. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks for doing this too. See, I appreciate it. No problem. I enjoy. I enjoy doing it. I love these. I love these movies. It's it's just fun watching a good movie. Yes. And then knowing that I I didn't know Brandon hadn't seen it yet. Like that was surprising to me. But I'm glad I got the other two on Voodoo as well. But I'm sure they're on like HBO Max or something like that, where you can see the whole trilogy. They might be on Peacock. Yeah. I believe because they're universal movies, but I, I like I bought the I bought the, the Blu-ray set, the the four K set I bought. So like you know, I think I know I bought the uh, the four uh, K on uh, the four K discs, and then I bought them on Voodoo again just so I could travel around and watch them when I need to. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to getting to part three. I got to warn y'all right now though, part two I'm gonna light the fuck up. um c is on twitter at uh b b underscore touch no it's just b touch one word b touch um it is a protected um account so if you want to follow him he's gonna have to look through your stuff and decide that you're worthy Mm -hmm. um you can go on twitter and his podcast page the group page uh say something nice podcast is one of the best movie groups i've ever been in like i get so much information knowledge and wisdom from being in that group and i didn't know until i met c that somebody could feel as strongly about the black adam movie um uh, yeah so brandon <laughs> see on the same page yes i was gonna say see brandon feels the same way you do about black adam which is weird because he loves the rock i don't have a problem with the rock personally but i do feel i i don't know mm. <laughs> that, movie's, that movie's not gonna be good uh, but the, people are excited this is kind of an example of like when you're so famous such a celebrity that you can literally like like bend reality at your will and like do things that you probably shouldn't do like make a whole movie about black adam but you know that's you don't want to do a shazam as far as you don't you don't want to well that's and that's by design that's what he wanted yeah, he, what he had yeah he had the character pulled out of the shazam movie entirely and they had to rewrite the whole thing 
because you want it to be the lead. You can't be the lead of a Shazam movie because you're playing Black Adam. And from what I can tell, just really quick, before I can tell the trailers and things, seem like they made Black Adam's origin story a little bit nicer to make him a little bit less evil. And I don't know. He's a super villain. He's a he's supposed to be like a charismatic, megalomaniacal mass murderer. That's like making Doctor Doom a good guy. I mean, yes, exactly. Or more, or Morbius, or Venom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like saying, "What if Magneto was a hero?" Right. <laughs> the Rock read one run of JSA where Black yes. Adam wasn't like a terrible person. And he's like, he, that's, that's it. The funny thing is in that run, he is a terrible person. Now, and he's still a terrible was, person. He, yes. he was hiding, like in the JSA thing they were adapted from the movie, the idea was he was hiding his motives. He was recruiting the younger people in the JSA to, you know, come be my army or whatever. We're going to go take over my home country by force and I'm going to rule it because I want to, because I feel like I have these powers of the gods. I'm a god myself. I'm going to rule, basically. This is going to be my kingdom. Like, this whole thing. Like, And, you know, I, I we could talk all day, but I don't have all day, unfortunately. <laughs> Brandon is on Twitter at that cool black nerd. Black is spelled B-O-K. The show <laughs> is on Twitter at Hindsight Reviews. R-E-V-U-E-S. Um, you can... Email the show at uh, Hindsight Reviews, again, at gmail.com, uh, R-E-V-U-E-S. You can donate to the show at patreon.com slash single simulcast. You can also donate to the show at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast. And you can donate to the show on the Good Pods app. Uh, there's a tip jar. You can leave a review for the show on Spotify. Uh, it takes 13 seconds. You can also leave a review on uh, Podchaser. Uh, copy and paste that into Apple Podcasts and then copy and paste that into the Good Pods app. Like I said, next week, we're going right back to the future. So prepare yourselves. But for now, thank you so much for listening. We greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. We're going to hot you later. Peace. The theme music for Hindsight is The Insider Theme by The Insider. You can find this song on the Free Music Archive. This is Single Simulcast. Don't know my name,